0: Talk Radio. are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil morning show with your host Nadia Khalil good morning everybody and welcome to today's show today is Friday January 11th what a day it's the 11th day of the month it's a Friday we're on to a weekend I hope that everyone has a great weekend. We are expecting rain like tonight and tomorrow, but next week we are going to rain in Southern California from Monday to Thursday, four days in a row, like big rain that we're supposed to get. And that's a really good thing in so many ways. And then in all the burn areas, it's a really scary thing. So I'm just hanging on and everyone needs to pray for people. You know, we get what we want. We need the rain, but it comes at a price. Today, I have two questions that I chose for today because I think they're going to take that time. There is my first question, which is anonymous. Um, I would like to ask a question, but anonymously, since it involves my family members. I have a nephew. He is two and a half years old. I don't have much experience with kids, but sometimes when I babysit him, he tends to exhibit a behavior that I don't know is if it's normal. For example, chasing his sisters, showing no emotion afterwards, and sometimes I just have a weird feeling that I don't have with his sister. I wanted to ask about narcissism in young kids. Is it possible, or I'm just overreacting? Thank you. It's, you know, I guess anything is possible. However, boys are boys. You learn when you're younger and you have children, one day when you have children, if you ever have a boy, that I find out, oh, that's why men do that. Oh, that's why men do that. They're not heartless or bad or mean or or narcissistic per se. They're just a different gender that looks at the world with different eyes. Put on top of that a kid who wants to try anything and everything, and really chase down a sister. I mean, even my son with autism, he wanted his sister's attention. And he couldn't get it unless he did one thing. And that was interrupt whatever TV show she was watching. And they play outside a lot. So they didn't get that much TV, even though I never said you could only watch, they just, by the time they came in and we ate and they played, you know, they played, by the time they sat down, they were probably ready to go to bed. So, she'd be watching the show, and he couldn't even, and he had his little black afro-type hair, big curly, big curls hair, his hair grows up, not down, and all I saw was him walking to the TV, He turned it off, and then he took off and ran out of the room so that she would chase him because he wanted to interact. So when you see that kind of behavior in children, one of them might punch the other one. I had a girl who, you know, she grew up to be very conscientious, but when she was younger, she would snitch on her brother all the time problem with that was she was the one who set him up to snitch on him she would do the stuff their parents told them not to do she'd set up the scene for him to just naturally walk over and do it and then he would get in trouble and kids just do in what we can look just brothers and sisters between each other some of the most ridiculous things and you wonder, why would they take the time to do that? Well, when you're little and you have a brother or sister, you learn to negotiate, you learn to compromise, you learn to share your parents, you learn to get certain time. Most of the time it's when you get in trouble from your parents. When we were younger, now everyone wants to talk everyone through things. No one wants to traumatize anyone. Or we have the complete opposite, where we have very abusive parents. So it's like, you know, the middle is getting thinner and the sides are getting heavier in this time in our history. But at that time, or now, when you have brothers and sisters, you will be shocked at how little changed when it comes to dynamics of brothers and sisters. There's something innate. That's why I always say I was a rat when I was a kid. It didn't mean I was, I was narcissistic. And most of the time, those behaviors, if they develop, don't even begin to show up until that child is at the very least in their teens, right when the protection is off. Because never forget that every human being that is born on earth is protected until about 7 or 8 years old till the formative years start and then it starts waning where you can your free will now you can lie you can do a bunch of things and when you're young and you do that you just are like dopey about it and you'll even tell that you did it but then when you're 13 and 14 and your protection's completely gone kids feel like they fall off a cliff with nowhere to land, and then they face adolescence, and then you'll see them feel awkward. They try to hide themselves. They want to be in their rooms. They just want to hang around with their friends who think like them right now because they don't have the wherewithal to balance yet between anyone else. I remember kids wearing hoods and pulling their hair off from the front, and they got makeup, and everybody wants their identity. They want to find themselves. They don't know who they are. They don't know. Why they're going to school, they you know start questioning everything, but at this age, they're just pure instinct. If there's a puddle, they're going to jump in it, which they would never do at 13 or 20 or 35. So, at that point, no, you really can't tell. I mean, sometimes you might have like a really, really hyper kid and you may think, oh, how am I feeding him? And then you start having different kinds of issues like that. Or I noticed my son wasn't talking or stuff like that. That you will take on pretty early. But sometimes when we first learn about narcissism or realize that it exists, we see shreds of that behavior, but it's it's an entire ecosystem narcissism is a way of thought. It's a belief. It's a very egocentric belief that nothing can matter more than you do in life. And whatever you get, whatever you want, you can get regardless of how anybody else would feel. You really don't care. You don't have empathy. You don't have sympathy. You don't have other than yourself. People are objects and they are a means to an end for people who and I want to say suffer from narcissism because and and I talk about it a lot but I have a very very soft spot for narcissistic people because even though they can cross a line and get really bad and can really hurt that's true for for sure, um, and can hurt you. And it's scary if you're in a relationship with one to leave the relationship because they are the ones that want to get you. Um, And they don't want anyone to leave them and they don't want anyone else to have them even though they didn't treat whoever they had well. So you have to deal with that dynamic and, and so that it can be scary. But for the average, and I'm going to say the average narcissist is over but I have to say it that way, because for the average person who has narcissism, you may just say about them that they're selfish. And the reason I have empathy towards people who are narcissistic is they really, 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 honest to God, do not know how they're hurting themselves. They really believe that it's the other people. I have talked to people who have that, that work on that operating system that works against them, not with them, where they never let anyone in completely. So they they isolate this impurity and they hide it because they can't face it and they they you know, answer to it. It's like listening to your ego and taking the track of ego over the track of love, even though you are looking for love. You really, really are. Like, I know a man, I dated him for a short time and I realized, oh no, oh no. And he said to me, well, I still think I'm worth it. I think, I think, you know, I'm worth being loved. And I still believe in love. And it just, Killed me because by this time in life, he wasn't able to establish how to love. So, and you're babysitting them or you spend time with them, and this being a nephew, you will show him love, build his security because this is when it's actually either forming or not, is you know, hold him. Talk to him, ask him questions, not about what he just did to his sister or whatever, because he's going to do something to her, but really pay attention to him. This is an opportunity to give that whole balance of love so that they feel it somewhere and it makes them more empathetic and more sympathetic towards themselves, towards life, towards others. He's only two and a half. But you can influence that. You can talk to your sister and tell her, Hug your children before they go to bed. Give them time. Read that read to them in your lap. You know how when they're that young, you can read to them and they can turn the pages. You can point to the words, even though they don't know, but then they'll know, oh, that's the word. That's how my mom or dad knows what to say. And that's going to mean something one day. And then as they get older, it's like, oh, I want to do that too. And then, oh, yeah, you go to school and you'll learn how to do that. And You have that beautiful energy shared with them. Because it's every person I've spoken to who suffers from that narcissistic type of thinking, they, they, their memories of their parents aren't good. A lot of them don't like their parents. Some of them don't like their parents, but like support their parents financially because it makes them feel like they're doing something. Like, oh, wow, my parents are finally happy with me. Because look, I can take care of them. Look what I've shown them. But they're void of the feelings because nobody shared. So I'm so appreciative that we've talked about narcissism. I know you start to see traits of it, but let's remedy that. Let's try to add love to the young one mix, the young the young are critical. They are important because all somebody is when they get older is an older version of that child that you're meeting right now, even though they're, you know, goofy. They're two and a half years old. They're funny. They're natural. They're innocent. And you can shape and you can help. I mean, all I did at Christmas was spend it with kids, my, not my friends as much as their children. I made sure I saw everyone's kids. I've never done that before, but they're older now. Everybody's older now. And now I can't help but see everybody, spend time with them, and hear them. That love that we had when we were younger has kept them in my world forever. So it does go a long way. And when their parents need something, they call me, and I just come over, and somehow we address it in this, you know, way that doesn't um, affect, you know, or bring it to light, but there's another way to do that, and it's always through a different way of getting to love. So love goes a long way, and love, love, love this boy. He needs you more than ever. Um I don't know if it's anonymous, so let me just read with no name. I have to do this sometimes because I I don't like to read everything beforehand. Nadia, I have a question for Friday. In Origins of Truth, top of the page 439, it states, souls do not take the time in their day to account for what has happened as a result of not speaking their truth. Even if a soul does not speak something, it is the unspoken that is hardest. Nadia, my question. In some, is, my question is some people avoid the truth so they don't want to talk about it. How do we deal with someone who doesn't want to hear our truth? For example, family member. Thank you and much love. Okay. So when two people are together, I don't care which two people a mother, a child, spouses, boyfriend, girlfriend, family members, extended even family members. And someone is not able to face or speak the truth. What happens is when you see those people, you think, I'm wasting my time. Oh, I have to go and see so-and-so. Because there's a wedge that's already there. When you know people and they just tell it like it is, they're like, well, everything is great, blah, everything is hard, blah, they're okay, or I did this today, and it might not be a big deal, but you did it, or something happened as a result of you doing it, you can stay there forever, soul, your heart, truth, love, and purity are being fed. When people are not speaking the truth, it is the unspoken that is hardest. The reason Christ said that, and I remember why I wrote that the day I wrote it, was I was married at that time to Sterling. The family had a lot of secrets. The ex-girlfriend. He had an ex-wife he had three children with and an ex-girlfriend that got pregnant they were going to get married that got pregnant um, after they broke up and then I think they got together, back together again for a short time but so there there was two exes. One was really nice and grateful for me taking on her children. The other one was um, a beautiful lady. She was nice. And inside my heart, I loved her. I really loved her. I, And I made sure that she was taken care of while we were together, even though her feelings about me were very confused. And she was, in one way, competitive and caused a lot of trouble in the marriage. In another way, she was very sweet. And I didn't know what to make of it. But I realized that when I wasn't home, she was coming over a lot. And it was like this, there was just a weird energy around it. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And I was a lot younger then, and I was just, you know, so nice that it ended up hurting me. And taking care of everybody and the family had this history of anyone the father liked, they didn't. And they all went against her and they all gave her trouble. And if you could just imagine, it was like taking my my first marriage of just having one person fight you. It was like God broke him up into six pieces and gave him back to me in six different people. And that's how it felt because I, I just never saw that coming. I could not believe that I was going to ever have to deal with so much chaos in my life. And then on top of it, Sterling got sick with complications from leukemia, and we were in and out of the hospital, and that's when I wrote Origins of Truth. That unspoken truth being the hardest, if you ever want to know how God taught me things, there was a lot going on behind my back, and I didn't know in words what it was but the reason my life was hard with them cuz of what wasn't said not because of what i saw i knew in my heart i couldn't rest because the energy around me was bouncing off the walls and if you want to talk about plate spinning and thank god i heard that term when i once i heard that term it was only it was an FBI agent that was talking about something, and he said, well, you know, we just had a plate spinner. And I thought, oh, my God, that just described to everything in my life. Not telling the truth. Because we don't believe in the truth enough, we don't say it. And we think if we don't say it, we're hiding it, and nobody knows it exists. It exists. Because energy doesn't rest until the truth is spoken, hence the spinning of the plates around you. So here you are standing. If you can imagine a visual and then all this stuff spinning around you, you can't rest. I used to, before I'd go to bed, I would say to God, God, I just, I didn't know what was going on. And I'd say, I just don't understand I didn't understand that mind I thought you can take anybody on earth bring them into your home love them give them what they never had put them in the best schools dress them feed them and everyone would be fine that's what I thought when I was marrying Sterling and I wrote about it in the beginning of the book, how much I loved him, how much I wanted, you know, the kids to be happy, how I wanted to raise both families. I just took it on like a bat out of hell. I never in my life or even knew why anyone would not tell the truth about anything, especially the stuff they weren't telling truth about. When the kids would break things. and. And break like not just little things like the drawer to the buffet cabinet in the dining room or you know, steal things. Just take your stuff and then if you if you caught her she would she would cry and blame everyone for blaming her instead of her saying she just did it when we knew and she knew she did it. Down to Sterling hiding certain things and then it coming out and my heart breaking. right into the adult that I didn't want to believe it was in. I thought, well, what am I doing here? Why am I subjecting myself to people who can't tell the truth for their lives? Because I don't know how to thrive in this environment, and I don't want to spend my life putting out fire. I said, you know, Christ, hey, what about what about that run, don't walk away seeing that here. I can only cook and clean and serve so much, but if I dedicate my life to supporting this behavior, how am I going to get out of this house and do this work? I really didn't know, and then my mom was dying. And I started going on trips back and forth from California to Chicago every two weeks. And this was obviously before I started the show. And with my mom, she had a real problem with me marrying, having a second marriage and a big family. And it just was too much for her to wrap her mind around. I want to say it was too, in quotes, American for her to assimilate to considering how strict our culture is. And he wasn't Muslim, and that bothered her, you know, the whole thing. But she was dying. And I remember my sisters telling me that she wasn't going to talk to me anymore because I remarried. And I called her, and I said, Mom, if anything happens to either one of us, I know you don't want to talk to me anymore. Yes, I don't. I said, let's at least tell each other we love each other even though I know it's hard for you to talk to me. That was as true as I could ever be. I remember sitting in the bathroom calling her so I couldn't hear any external noise and having that conversation with her. Then she has a brain aneurysm, but I fly to Chicago. And right before that, she was going to see me. She asked me to come and visit her, which it took two years to get there, or more, three years to get there. But she got there. And we realized love won. And we did love each other and we couldn't take not being with each other. So here I was going to go. And before I could go, I had the dream with my dad telling me my mom died. And I'm like, no, you died. And I was bawling my eyes out. And all this stuff was happening all simultaneously. So when I got there, on one of the trips to my mom, and I said to my mom, mom, I think that I have to leave where I'm at. And when I woke up this morning, I was fighting myself because my ego did not want to be divorced twice. I did not want to go through this, but this is horrible for me. I can't trust anybody around me because nobody tells the truth even when they are talking not just when they're not talking, meaning when the unspoken is the hardest, as Christ said. And so here's my mom with a brain aneurysm in a home for people who need extended care. And I was wearing this striped sweater. I can't forget that moment. And when I told her, what was going on in my life and that I put my ego aside and I'm going to do what's right for my life. She lifted her hand and she put it on my sweater and she rubbed down like it's okay. That moment of love was how powerful the truth Spoken, and it outweighed an entire family where truth wasn't spoken and purposefully was not spoken. And it hurt people. It hurt everyone there, them more than anyone. I had a choice to save myself and my children. One day, my daughter walked in the house. She came back from school. And she walked in the house, and she looked around, and she's not even woo-woo. She's the one she, that's out of her emphatic, She talks about my work, the least, but she feels it. But she said to me, oh, my God, the cloud is gone. There used to be a cloud in our house. It's not here anymore. That's how hard. It is when we do not speak the truth. The house is clouded. Our souls are clouded. It's clouded. Our minds are clouded. Everything is clouded. Time to account for what has happened as a result of not speaking their truth. Because as a result of no one speaking their truth, they will want to go do what they do to me, to everyone else. And there is a part two to this story. One day I may tell you, I love you guys. I'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.